0: The Six Pointer Podcast
1: Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast uh, Post-match here with Matthew Turrell after Crystal Palace beat Bournemouth 1-0 at home 10-man Crystal Palace, I should add Matthew, I'm out of breath. Please talk. This is, this is immediate post-match reaction. Oh, jeez. Walking across the Goat House Bridge in South Norway. uh Post-match reaction. Yeah, absolutely brilliant performance. Like Well played. Well done for 10 men that made it through, what, what 70 minutes? Uh, um, a big sack I got set off from, what was it, 22 minutes? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and um, well done to Roy Hodgson for keeping them organised. Tactical the masterclass from Roy. It was fantastic, wasn't it? And every man worked their socks off. You cannot say that anyone tonight, and Pizziah, who both went off <laughs> after about half an hour yeah. together, um, they, they all worked it out Jordan I knew, wow, he, absolutely brilliant. He, he was like Messi tonight, like I said to you, I think he nutmegged about five blokes, um, he wouldn't stop running, he just did not stop running. He know. did look like a man possessed, didn't he, he really did, it looked like we had two Wilfrid Zahars up there almost at one point, didn't we? Well, I made a joke, didn't I, it was like a salmon in the air, but he really was, he was rising for every single ball, um there, there's just so many, so many to mention, there's, you know he single him out but Chuck Kaite going centre back after the uh, after sending off. He's he absolutely fantastic and traditionally I was worried that he would be to out given that he's not, you know, obviously trained in that position and um, that structure, but he was fantastic. Jimmy Mack all over, Will another fantastic. Uh, 90 minutes, just yeah, it just goes on. I'm, I'm so pleased um, that they responded so well to what could have been. Because it's, it's, it started a really fighty game, didn't it? It didn't. It was it was, it was back and forth. I, I I thought it was two teams, and that's what I said to you. I think as soon as I saw the red card, which which we need to touch on in a minute, um, you know, I thought well that's kind of spoilt the game a little bit because I thought it was quite evenly matched to start with, and I thought we looked quite good. It looked like quite, it was going to be a tightly contested game, and then uh, I think to be fair it probably did us a favour Sacco getting sent off because I think from the first minute the ball went up to him and he got absolutely bullied in the air didn't he they, they yeah because he was uh, he was two yards off the base and started the ball was anywhere near him oh, that's that goes, okay Sacco's getting lifted off. So, um, yeah no I, he really was didn't he? he looked shocking and then uh, the road the card itself I mean we were it was on the halfway line on the opposite side of the bitch ass but it, I, I must admit Given his reaction straight away, um, it also looked like Roy's, also Roy's reaction isn't it? Yeah, Roy sort of turned away, didn't he? And I know you say disgust, uh, disappointment, but um, mm-hmm. I, just, I just felt that I've seen a couple of replays places in on the big screen and need to see it again, really to make a formal judgment. It looked like a really bad time. Like it caught him under the knee, didn't it? And, and the fact that it, I think he's got told by the kit man to wait before going down the tunnel because VAR was looking at it, and the fact that B.A.R. doesn't overturn it, it pretty much tells you everything you need to know. And, no, no. I can't I can't really understand people, <laughs> the poor lad was at number 15, Smith, who got a right uh, uh, bollocking, didn't he, from, from the Palace fans the rest of the game. And I, I felt a bit sorry for him, really, because he didn't really do anything wrong. He just got absolutely hacked down and then <laughs> targeted by the Palace fans the rest of the game. Yeah, so had to make a reshuffled information and, and, and team rights, didn't they? And then he gave that enough shortly after as well. But I think I, as a mature, uh back four. Oh, I thought they did really, really well. They, they didn't. To any sort of for ball. And I don't know, I never really thought we were going to concede and I, I know it sounds a bit well, extreme given we had like 10 minutes up and the time, but I didn't really any point feel the ball was created enough clear cut chances. Remember, but apart from once when who came for the ball and missed it, I didn't feel worried. I really did I, I was a bit surprised actually myself in the fact that um, given the red card, he, he didn't actually. Well, it didn't feel like it, anyhow really tactically changed it too much. Yeah, I mean, he you can. It looked like for like changes for me though. I mean, I didn't actually think. Like, I thought we might put another man up front and really go for it. You know, test the fact that we've got a you know a, a, centre, a central midfielder or def- a defensive midfielder playing in centre back and you know a left back who's not played there for a while anyway. Um, but Geoffrey Slough, I know you missed it because you went for a wee, but uh, time that, was. that was a great goal from Geoffrey Slough in the second half. 75 minutes, I think it was. Um, Jordan Ayer, who did, a, did his, his messy like performance, um, got the ball nicked off him and it ended up uh, falling to Geoffrey Slough, who it, it, he sort of hit it low and hard, just like he did against Burnley away. And a fantastic goal. Q Carnage in the, uh, in the homestead, there was bodies everywhere. I was Q Carnage in the toilet as well, or I was. It was fantastic, <laughs> you know. but, no, but, you know, Jordan Ayer, again, we've mentioned the ones I mentioned again. You know, his overall work rate tonight was fantastic and we had a chat on the way to the game tonight about, you know, okay, he's doing really well, he's got a few goals, but you know, why is it that he keeps Ben Techke out of the team? His performance like that, but yeah. I mean he does. I mean I, I, I did think, perhaps, you know, because I could see him chasing every ball and I thought he might be a bit knackered, so I did actually expect him to make the sub and bring Ben Venteke on just to go long, maybe to relieve a bit of the pressure. He didn't actually need to in the end, like you say, he was winning headers, he was chasing every ball. Uh, Zaha was knackered towards the end. Um, fair play, you know, again, he was, he was everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah, what's going to be interesting, though, is that you know we, we're coming into a, a run of the fixtures now where you've got, well, <laughs> what's it, three in a week now? We've got given Watford on Saturday, um, and then we've got a, a weekend off to play Brighton the following Monday, but you've got to start using the squad a bit more, and you've got to be worried the fact that, you know, PBA goes off, um, yes, Geoffrey Stup can fill in there, I guess, but... Um, the, the issue is though but for, for most positions you've got one backup. So okay centre back's the exception but look at the <laughs> centre back position at the minute so Sacco's been having three games now. Yeah Scott Dan's injured Tom, so, so Tom is is you know him staying fit. Kenny's playing right back. Yeah so you know it's it's real bare bones but again fair play for Hodgson he's 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 you know he's kept them kept them uh you know structured he's kept them Committed to, to, to keeping the clean sheet. And, I, and then also, when, when you had the ball, it wasn't like, our quickness lumped lump it up to hope that the man up front can get onto something. We actually kept the ball really well. We did, right? we, 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 we sort of played it out from the back pretty well, even with 10 men, which is which is not something you see very often that shows that the, the sort of the faith, I guess Roy's got in his, his players to, to, to obviously told them at half time, keep doing what you're doing. Um, we need to mention one change that did get made at half time, which was. Andrews Townsend off for um, James McCarthy, and I thought he, he came on and he did pretty well. Um, he's, he's, I think he's kept his record of getting booked every time he comes on. He, he loves a bit of a scrap, doesn't he? He does. He likes to get involved. But again, some of that was, was time wasted. Yeah. It? And, and there were you know, a few taxable there I think. Yeah. A few yellow, well, quite a few. the Most yellow cars, I think, I've seen at Sellers for a, for a long time, actually. We, we, we saw it out really well at them as well. Again, like I said, there was no nerves from my perspective but we were going to proceed. If I was a former fan, I'd be really disappointed. You know. They'd come, come this way on a Tuesday night and, yeah. and you must have thought when we had 10 minutes after what, 20 minutes or whatever it was, that yeah. was it, they are going to go on and, and get a couple and, and sort of them. Really, take the three points quite easily but they've got some good players though they really do Uh, Philip Billing the big chap yeah yeah, Philip Billing he's a decent player obviously he came from Huddersfield Um, he's a former SPO player Um, you've got Jefferson Lerma number 8 I think Um, you know yeah, they've got some good players some good quality haven't they and yeah they just didn't probably utilise that enough but I mean that's obviously not what we need to focus on we need to focus on how good Crystal Palace were and the fact that with 10 men we you know, quite comfortably beat a very good Bournemouth team Yeah and it was an enjoyable enjoyable one really considering um, considering it could have been a very stressful one with, with 10 men to see it out and, and like we said you never really felt under, under any sort of pressure and um, yeah like, like you surprised that Bournemouth didn't do more to kind of Put us under pressure for longer periods but you know credit to, to Hodgson in a way he kept us in it but then also kept the structure and, and kept our, our formation tight um to mean that it wasn't it wasn't that sort of game brilliant all right well uh i'll let you get off the matt
0: thanks very much it's bloody cold so i'm going to go in you can you can drive a foam and beat the traffic like you say and uh yeah fantastic uh, Chris Palace performance At the palace At the palace Hello and welcome back to the Six Pointer podcast and I'm very pleased to be joined by Chris Dickens who's a uh, Walsall fan um, and Chris I think it's fair to say that you've been on a bit of a journey since your first game you, we were just talking about, 94 but really started supporting in 97. Um, mm-hmm. Walsall have been on, on a bit of a, a roller coaster. I think it's fair to say, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I'm one of those people who's very lucky that during my formative years, like teenage years, was it was... The era that probably my club's most successful ever era. I mean, people know Warsaw from, you know, if they're a bit older, they might remember Warsaw getting to the semi-finals of the league cup, uh, mm. and they've heard, of, might have heard about upsetting Arsenal in the FA Cup in the '30s and things like that. But it, as a sustained period of success, really, probably 1998 to 2004, when Warsaw spent had two promotions and spent four out of five seasons in what's now the Championship. Mm. Uh, mm. Just really. They, they were relegated the year before it was renamed the championship and kind of a lot of money came into the second tier of English football yeah. so it was that period where you saw teams like Rotherham and Port Vale and Crewe Stockport County Tranmere Rovers lots of teams of a similar size to Warsaw, all having their runs in divi- what was then Division 1 and um, yeah playing great football being well managed and and for Warsaw we, we had a wonderful manager Ray Graydon um, you know, a good player for Aston Villa, scored a winner in the League Cup final. But as a manager, he, he was kind of a bit untested, had done a bit of youth team coaching. He had, right. well, what's new with Walsall, one of the lowest budgets in the division, Bought in a few players. They were the favourites to get relegated in a division that had Kevin Keegan's Fulham, Man City in the year that they won the playoffs. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so they won a, a really unlikely promotion in 99 were very unlucky to go down in the following year in 2000 and then in 2001, which was I days after my 16th birthday, they won a player final, a classic player final against Reading, a 3-2 win in extra time. What a birthday present. Yeah, what a <laughs> birthday present. Like, in the Millennium Stadium. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and then then Ray Graydon was kind of left, was was dismissed, like, about two-thirds of the way through the following season, Oh one oh two, one Right. And Colin Lee came in and kind of, Mark McGee's former assistant at Wolves, you yep. I remember, had the Wolves job. Yeah. And he kind of sustained them in that division for a couple of years. And then in 2004, he left with about a month of the season to go. Paul Merson came in as caretaker manager and, and Wolves were relegated very, very narrowly by a single guard. Yeah, we
0: were, we were just talking pre-point about, pre-pod about that because I, 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 I remember very clearly because that's the, the year that Palace uh, won promotion from the... Uh, Division One as it was then to the Premier League uh, in the penultimate game of the game in the season, Palace played Warsaw, and um, I think it was a last minute or sort of five minutes to go. Tommy Black, um, who was a right winger for Crystal Palace hadn't actually played much that season, um, came on with about sort of 20 minutes to go, and it was one of the most blatant dives I've ever seen. It was right in front of me. Um, it meant that uh, Andy Johnson put the penalty away, um, and you know you went into the last game of the season needing a, a bit of a miracle to stay up there, didn't you?
2: Yes. So, Walsall needed to win, and uh, ideally, we would have liked Gillingham, who we are competing with, to lose at Stoke City. And Gilly, Stoke, at the time managed by Tony Pulis, who would recently been the manager of Gillingham, mm. and that was a nil-nil draw. Warsaw won that game, but the, the kind of the season was littered with bad luck. They kind of they they took on loan from Portsmouth, the player who still going today or only very recently retired, Gary O'Neill, right. and kind of Portsmouth had a. Uh, kind of their reserve team or their youth team had a bus crash uh, they, they kind of had a small bus crash so it wasn't serious so there was a few players who were just a, picked up a few injuries so he was recalled and had he stayed on maybe it had been worth a few more points in the third round of the FA Cup that year that was the year that Millwall got to the final but in, mm. the, in the third round Millwall beat Warsaw, but Dennis Wise the player manager got into a scrap with Jimmy Walker the Warsaw keeper one of our all time leading record mm. appearance holders Jimmy Walker gets sent off for th- sent off three game ban. And we we had a goalkeeper uh, on loan from Leeds United, Sean Alloway, who who breaks his who breaks it. I think he broke his wrist in a reserve game that week. Oh, so man. Colin Lee just had to find he found a keeper called Andy Petson, I believe, from Torquay, right. who came in and conceded like about nine goals in three oh, games. Dear. The stat could be wrong, but it was <laughs> yeah. And then when you get out by one goal, oh, it was funny. We like had Vinny Samways, who you might. You may, you may remember from Everton and Tottenham in the early '90s mm. and he was commuting in from Spain because you may remember like early days of Spanish football being on sky. He was a favorite because he was like playing for las Palmas, mm. and he was like commuting in from Spain, and about two thirds of the way through the season, he just got fed up so i so can 't do this anymore yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was that sort of season. So when football fans moan about them being unlucky, I think genuinely, if you look into in 03, four they were. That incident at Crystal Palace has, has not stood the test of time to me because there were so many other things that just kind of stick in the craw a bit. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, even since then, you know, we've got. Um, well, I'm just looking through my notes and relegated to League Two. Then, then in 06, win the League Two title in '07. Um, and then uh, I've got a bit of a gap there so maybe you can fill the gaps in for me because the next one I've got is reaching the, the Football League trophy in, in 2015 um, but then unfortunately losing to Bristol City mm. one. was there anything any, notable in that period from over 07 to 2015 um, it seems like a long time I mean I, I'm missing a big gap, a gap in my notes but I'm sure you, you, you oh. probably remember some
2: so after, um, after Walsall were relegated narrowly in '04, Paul Merson took over the club. And most people who don't know much about Walsall, but are aware of what they've done in the last twenty years, know that Paul, Paul Merson managed Cause, cause, didn't he Wasn't he player manager at one point? He was, was he? player manager initially, and I think that first full season, he kind of, he just kind of. Quietly retired. About. Right. Although after leaving Walsall, he did come out for retirement for one game at Tamworth, and did he? yeah, sort of <laughs> just the one. So it, I wasn't there, but uh, it didn't it didn't go well by all accounts. So, um, uh, but but yeah, so he kind of I, the thing with Paul Mercer is there was a massive turnover of players. So I think. In 04-05, we fairly narrowly stayed up. He managed to get Paul, a former Villa teammate of his Julian Joachim in. Yes. And he scored enough goals to keep Walsall afloat. But the following season, it was was a bit of a disaster and he left before the end. Kevin Broadhurst had to kind of try and turn the tide and couldn't manage it. Mm. But um, it was such a shame because Walsall had this wonderful period and then kind of they go back into the second tier and they've just got the wrong man for the job Mm. and it goes so wrong. And there was lots of... thing is, warsaw its quite topical this actually because he's just been appointed West Brom's head of youth this this uh, this week. But Mick Worsell, um, mm. one of his—he had been a good player in the lower leagues for Peterborough, but he—I mm. believe he trained as a coach with John Stirling, you'll know from Barnet and Dagenham and Redbridge. But mm. kind of he—he he, um, he got his coaching badges and came in at Warsaw under Ray Grade and then stayed on under Colin Lee and. Um, and he always, he brought through so many good young players. When you look back, players in the Premier League now, like Troy Deeney and Scott Dan, he would yeah. have worked, they, they came through that youth system, a player called Danny Fox who went on to play for Celtic and Scotland and mm-hmm. is still in the second tier now. Um, lots of like Matty Fryer, who played in the cup yeah. final with Hull yeah. uh, sadly has had to retire from injury he's actually from my similar age to me and from, from my hometown in Eaton. so oh, well, uh, yeah um, lots of very good young players were coming through so after O five O six went wrong and Warsaw were relegated when Richard Money came in who a very good youth team coach for Coventry City and he's got all these wonderful young players coming through it was like this is our first season. This season is our first season in the in League Two since that year. Yeah. But I think everyone knew it wasn't going to be like that because Richard Money was a good, very good manager, and uh, he's got a bit of a he's a bit spiky. So, like, it, I know it didn't work out for him at Luton. And and he did well at Cambridge, though. But but at Walsall, he kind of he just kind of he got a goalkeeper in which Walsall had needed after the departure of Jimmy Walker and Clayton Innes, and he brought in some good experienced players. Martin Butler came back to the club. But he just built, it was more, that season was, you've got about two months in and you knew that Walsall were going to go up and it was just a question of whether Walsall would win the title over Hartlepool, which they did on the last day at Swindon. Fantastic. With with Dean Keats, a wonderful Walsall player who won plenty of three promotions, Mm. scoring this this cracking goal, uh, yeah, so seeing your team win the league, even if it's League 2, it's Oh, it's no, it's it's, no, there's it's, no better feeling. It's no there? better feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. So you that,
0: can only beat what's in front of you and mm. if you're the best yeah. in the league, then, then that's an accolade that, that you can be very proud of, obviously.
2: Yeah, definitely. And Warsaw very much were, were the best team in the division that year. And I think if you look back on that team historically, the players that have gone on to play in Premier League Championship, international football in some cl- cases, mm. it kind of just shows you what was there then in terms of how we, you kind of had six of the best seasons that Warsaw have ever seen and two of the lowest, two of the the most disappointing ones and yeah. then and then it was straight back up and, and kind of I think in terms of the ownership of the club and Jeff Jeff Bonser's attitude to kind of who, who was the owner in so many years for, for, for many many years until this summer mm. um, the following season Warsaw were in the playoffs um, and Scott Dan and Danny Fox left very late at night on deadline day in January, and then the, the playoff dip, the playoff push just dipped. Right. And uh, as soon as it was mathematically impossible for Warsaw to reach the playoffs, Richard Money resigned. And then I think Warsaw had a few years in the doldrums before Dean Smith came through. Dean Smith actually being Mick Halsell's successor right. as the head of youth at Warsaw because Mick Halsell went on to Wolves, I believe, and has, has been around now at West Brom. But um, yeah, and a kind of the thing with Dean Smith and it's so good to see him doing really well at Villa because he kind of instilled a philosophy into Warsaw that kind of set the club in in such an upward you know he kind of built into where the club got to in the middle of the decade Mm -hmm. um Yeah, so so I'll let you come back in. No, no,
0: no. It's really interesting. I think it's it's interesting what you say about Dean Smith, and because he's one of those, obviously um, seen as one of those like coaching managers, isn't he? Mm. Um, And I think that the further down the pyramid that you go, you tend to get managers that are coaches. You know, managers that get more involved in the, the, you know, the whole. Side of the football club, you know, buying, sell, buying, selling players, things like that. Whereas the further up the pyramid you go, and especially you know, it's been highlighted by, you know, TV money and and and, and the sort of the the journalism and the the microscope that the, the Premier League gets put under. You know, you've got player, you've got managers that um, you almost step step away from a lot of that side of things, you know, and they they just just do the coaching and you've got directors of football and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. I think in a way it's, it's more of an achievement, isn't it, for, for a manager to be you know, involved in all sort of facets of the club um, and you know, as, as a supporter I think you appreciate um, you know, the work that they do, knowing that you know, they're involved in absolutely everything really, aren't they, because the money's not there to hire a director of football or someone else to do the,
2: do the job. Well, with Smith, he's, he did a lecture at a university in Birmingham recently and he was saying that every season they'd, they'd do reasonably well and then the budget would be cut substantially under right. Jeff Bonser. So, kind of, the, as time passes and the more you reflect on what he achieved at Walsall, even though the last Walsall manager to achieve any success was Richard Money in 2007, that the Dean Smith period has to be seen as a massive success. Mm. You, you can't sugarcoat it. He went on bad losing runs and there was, and, and actually, Walsall never finished in the top half, but, but where he left them and what they achieved, it, it's really incredible. So, to, to give you a bit of background on him, he, he was Walsall's head of youth. Okay. Um, Chris Hutchins was the manager at the time right. um, and he kind of left mid-season when Warsaw were mired in the relegations I can't remember the number of points but it was, it was more than 10 it was about close to 50 and they were adrift of safety right, well. and in about four months just as a caretaker I think he was happy he as head of youth he wasn't expected to become a manager he's, he's led this wonderful great escape um, where they've gone from well into the relegation zone to staying up on the final day they lost a they actually, one of his first games was, I'd, I couldn't go because I was starting a new job on the night of the match, but on the day of the match, it was a Tuesday night game, and they beat Southampton, who won the league that year at home, Yes, and it was the reverse fixture, they, they lost to a Southampton side featuring Adam Alana and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, yeah. but because Dagenham and Redbridge had, had fallen, John, John Steele's Dagenham and Redbridge, as it, as it happens, had lost to Peterborough United, um, who won the playoffs that year on the final day, It meant that Warsaw... Had stayed up, so that that did enough to convince Jeff Bonser and the board to give Smith the job on a permanent basis. Mm. And there was a couple of a couple of seasons where he was building a good passing attacking attacking team. He kind of knew kind of the West Midlands market in terms of who the good. He was aware of good young players coming through. Um, he bought in players he knew from his old club, Leighton Orient, where he'd played, like Adam Adam. Both Chambers twins, but initially Adam Chambers, who'd been a teammate at Leighton like Orient. So mm-hmm. like, um, there was one season where he brought in three players from West Brom: Sam Manson, Paul Downing, and probably most one of the most celebrated players of his team, Romain Sawyer's, who's now West Brom's star. He's he's come back home to West Brom, having having followed Dean Smith to Brentford and played really well there. So he just kind of. It was funny Warsaw were still in a few relegation battles, not realistic ones, but just looking over their shoulder in the final quarter of the season maybe. Mm. But then, you know, 14-15, Warsaw went to Wembley and that was a huge thing for Walsall because Warsaw never one of the there was four clubs at the time who'd never in the Football League had never played at Wembley. When they, they'd won the playoffs in eighty eight when David Kelly scored a hat trick. And that was the first year one of the first years of the playoffs and the last one before they went to Wembley. And then the one they the classic one they won in two thousand and one against Reading was the first year after they'd moved them to Cardiff. So just being there that night against Preston, they 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 won at Deepdale and just finished the job with a 0-0 draw. Mm. Getting to Wembley it was such a special special night. And, and the the final itself was yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best game ever. It was Bristol City were an excellent side. They won League One comfortably, like convincingly. Mm. And and they won on the day two nil. Um, uh, two really top players now in the championship Aidan Flint and Luke Freeman scored the goals um, and Walsall didn't they didn't disgrace themselves by any means but Steve Cottrell had really done well with Bristol City that, that, mm. that year and they deserved to win you know, a lower division double basically yeah. uh, whereas Walsall finished mid-table but it was the following season 15-16 where everything just kind of clicked into place and it led to Dean Smith being tempted away by Brentford uh, so they had Tom Bradshaw who's now scoring lots of goals at Millwall mm. firing them in loads and loads of assists for main Soys they had a young left back who, who came through Rico Henry who's now followed Dean Smith to Brentford and is doing very very well there Warsaw, he cost £1.5 million so he's the most the most a club has ever spent for a Warsaw player
0: that's interesting isn't mm. it? So, so I mean it's something you, you, we touched on earlier something I wanted to get to we might as well get to it now is that you mentioned Jimmy Walker and I think um if you're a fan of the podcasts, then there's one called the Goalkeepers Union podcast, and they um, they interview him on that. I got about an hour interviewing the interviews him on his whole career. It's really interesting because he was quite a character. By all, oh, wonderful character! Full vases of it. So that's that's a, that's a really good listen if you want to listen to that. But you mentioned um, Scott Dan, but can we just touch on a, a few sort of players that maybe listeners. Um, might be aware of I mean you've you mentioned a few there but who, who do you feel are probably the most famous players that have come through Walsall or, or, or have started their career or if not started their career then, then you know had the mm-hmm. early early days of their career at, at, at Walsall that, that people would know of
2: I think the, Scott Dan was the player that when I first saw him I thought yes he's got yeah. it all he's going to he's a man he's, mountain isn't he Yeah, has six, six, the, I think the thing that struck me back in all those years ago in 2006 was he had such great spatial awareness. He knew yeah. everything that was going on around him. He looked so comfortable.
0: He's always got that calming influence. Mm-hmm. As well, that calming it, yeah. influence. Yeah. He was
2: very fortunate because I, in so much as, kind of, I suppose, Paul Merson wanted to release him and he'd, he'd gone out on loan to coach in Denmark. He'd had long league spells in the West Midlands as well. But I think when Richard money came to the club, he, they were very fortunate. Danny Fox, who's played in the championship, Anthony Gerrard, who went on to play for Cardiff City and played in the League Cup final and mm-hmm. missed the penalty against his... Yes. The only time he faced his cousin Stephen was in that, that final a few years ago. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was in a, a really great defence with a wonderful goalkeeper, the player, and Tobago international Clayton Ince behind him. Yeah. So a great grounding when he finally got a run of games, but he was always, for me, he was always the best player on that side. Mm. Um, whereas Troy Deeney, who came through at the same time, scored goals for Warsaw was a good player, but you felt... He needs to work. He came from Chelmsley Wood in in the non league scene, and he he kind of has worked very. I've got a lot of time for Troy Deeney for what he's been what he's been through off field and, and what he's achieved given the setback. Obviously, that happened in his
0: yeah. life. I mean, his career is quite interesting, isn't it? Because mm. it's almost like he's a bit of a late bloomer. He's almost flourished in the latter years of his career, yeah. is not he? And sort of re- reached the pinnacle. Well, obviously, he's been at Watford for a while now and, and, yeah. and, and followed their journey and, and, and stayed mm. there. And he's uh, one of the few players that's really sort of, as I said, mm. in the twilight of his career, sort of had the, had the best moments,
2: really, isn't he? No, it's funny, isn't it? Also, fans always joke about how they're never going to see the sell on clause for Troy Deeney because <laughs> every, every transfer window he'll be linked with a multi million pound move. To or the Premier League club or some somebody big and that Warsaw getting however much it would be 15 to 20 really? percent. I don't think people know exactly what the salon clause is, right. but, but it's substantial and it yeah. would be a, an awful lot of money for, for Warsaw Football Club to receive. And I say I expect he'll reach the end of his contract and join Blues on a free. Probably That's probably, all, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> probably what's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> but like <laughs> we'll be talking about Rika Henry now, like that when if you remember when um, Arsenal signed Kieran Tierney from uh, Celtic, from Celtic, there was rumours in the Scottish press that Celtic wanted Rico Henry as the as, as Tierney successor. Okay, didn't happen, but you could definitely see Rico Henry going to a big club, right? Especially now that he's got his injuries sorted out. I saw the highlight: Brentford won seven nil at the weekend, and mm. although he didn't score, I don't think he assisted. Just from watching the highlights. he he looked as good as he was at, at Walsall It mm-hmm. was, was one of them Walsall first time I saw him play live I think Walsall went to Forest in a League Cup tie they won 4-3 Forrest bought Michel Antonio on who got him back into the game but Tom Bradshaw scored a hat trick Soyuz was pulling the strings and he got one as well but it was like I looked at my brother and I said blimey look at this look at this young lad Rico Henry he's going places and and yeah by the end of the season Walsall just were pipped to promotion by Burton and had lost the, in the playoffs but it had been just the quality of the football was so high, and so many of those, so, you know, a number of those players went on to, to very well. But uh, yeah, we've kind of been, we've kind of been fortunate that there were players that came through in the mm. in the in the and then in the twenty tens as well.
0: I think it, one one of the one of the good things as well about watching uh, lower league football as well is that it's a, it's a bit like something I enjoy when I go and watch Espio in, in Denmark. Is mm. that you tend to get a lot of younger players don't you to sort of yes. play um, because they tend to get their chances whether it being loaned from uh, clubs higher up in the pyramid, pyramid or the fact that obviously the clubs don't have the budget to, to go out and buy players so therefore they have to rely on their academies and the and local yeah. area a lot more so it's always quite enjoyable isn't it to, to spot a, a, a talent or someone that you, you see has got that spark and, and yeah you, you know, they might you know, only stay with you for a year or so but mm. then they move on but it's always nice to see them in the infancy of their career and just say well you know few years later, you can say, well, I saw him when he was, you know, only 18, 19, 21, whatever it was, and now he's, you know, playing for, you know, X club and and doing really well. You always get that, almost get that sort of feeling of pride, don't you? Yeah,
2: and it's kind of that, I never felt, when when Scott Dan Rocks up in the Premier League, You thought, oh yeah, well, I saw that coming a few years ago, so, kind of, yeah, it is, it's kind of, it's, uh, it's, like satisfying to have Mm. been there to see them as young players and then you pick up a paper or you you talk to friends who only really watch Premier League football and say oh they look fantastic that player and and you think oh yeah yeah, I've been on my radar for a long time now so yeah Yeah. it's
0: it's interesting because I I watch quite a lot of Scandinavian football Um, not just sort of Danish football I watch some of the elites here and in in uh, in Norway and and the Ausfagen uh, in, in in Sweden, um and to a lesser extent some 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 of the the Finnish league as well. Um and you know I saw Erwin Brought Brot you know a few years back you know mm. playing for Molden Um and he was an absolute unit. I think he was sort of 16, 17 year old and he was still built like a. You know, and yeah. he was he was coming through there. Now everyone's he's like the one of the hottest properties in, in Europe. Now he's scored something like nine goals in the Champions League. It's it's
2: because he's done it in the Champions League. Everyone's watching. That's it. It's the biggest
0: stage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there's cameras. Everyone watches it all around the world, isn't they? So so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, we, we touched on that sort of you know how how the clubs developed, and and you mentioned that you know you've got a new owner now is it Lee Pommler, Pommler. has come in
2: yeah. yes so he was a, a chief executive of a logistics firm Siva Logistics and right. he's um, he, he was on the board for about for pretty much 10 years what's, his, so.
0: what, what's his connection I mean is he, is he a he's fan he's a
2: local local lad who's okay. done well in the business world in the logistics world mm. with um, DHL initially before moving to, moving to Siva and he has other business interests right. the, the the interesting thing about that is that Whilst Jeff Bonzer has owned the club in the years since Warsaw were in a bit of trouble in the eighties, prior to the move from Fellows Park to the Bassett Stadium, mm-hmm. um, um, Bonser has, uh, has owns the freehold of the ground, which meant that the club was paying rent to the owner on the basis of the freehold. Well, I know this story. And I mean, so I've heard that's
0: that's Park. I heard that at Sellers Park th- as well. yes,
2: yes. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate yeah. there. But but yes. Yeah, so one of Lee Pomlet's things. Because Bonzer was very media shy um, throughout his tenure, but, uh, but pomlet has been quite open towards the fans, and, and one of the things that he said is he will not just purchase the club but purchase the freehold and reunite the freehold with the club right. and that will then mean that Warsaw are no longer you know they're no longer paying paying an external party yeah. for the rent of the ground, yeah. which on the pitch could mean new players, more of a budget. I, th- I think. The, the kind of since Dean Smith left in 2015 and the club missed out on very narrowly on promotion the years since have been a very very difficult with Walsall having kind of a few seasons sort of repeating themselves and just about staying up very late in the season mm. Um, mm. and finally the they, trapdoor back to League 2 they, they, had, they had been the longest tenured team in League 1 after winning that promotion in 2007 through until 2019 but I, th- I think a lot of a lot of people realised the kind of the reali- the financial realities of the game had caught up with Warsaw. Warsaw were incredibly well done around the time, well run around the time ITV Digital happened. They were yes. solvent. They were always in the black, making a small profit, and mm. that that's not changed. But when you look at and Barry obviously are the huge example mm. clubs throwing good money after bad, chasing promotions. Warsaw would never do that, and the budget was it was it was kind of, when we were in League One, it was like a mid-table League Two budget. So ultimately, after you've had kind of a transformative manager like Dean Smith, who instills the whole, whole philosophy. And his long-term successor, John Whitney, was one of the club's physios. Um, so they were hoping that Whitney could carry it on. And then we had a former player in Dean, Dean Keats coming in. Um, but just kind of that, once the, the, once the Smith philosophy had left, it was just Warsaw trying to push water uphill, basically, right. just to try and stay in that division, given the resources of the club and and how you know having come so close in 2016, given the financial gap between Le- Championship and League One, it was inevitable that that team would break up, which yeah. which it did. But it was so that the kind of successor to Sawyer's was a player called Ernests and now starring for Charlton, have it, but kind of he had. You know a good run at Warsaw, but it immediately attracted Championship interest right. and he was taken to Bolton and, and kind of it, it's then replacing the top players they mm. will leave very quickly yeah. now when you haven't got when you have the resources of Warsaw, because War, Warsaw at the moment have got a they've not brought through as many young good young players since Smith has left but at the moment, they'd they be a very well thought of Chelsea under 23 team in the EFL trophy. Last night, as we record yeah. this, and five members of the first team have come through their youth system, uh, uh, well thought of. Who, who knows if if Liam Kinsella or Corey Roberts will go on and play in the top flight? Uh, we, we'll see in the years to come. But Warsaw still have that. But it's those, when you look back in the early noughties, how that how Ray Graydon and Colin Lee were pretty much able to keep a team together that's much less likely to happen at a club like Wharf yeah. but with the change of ownership there's a, a kind of a bit of a renewed optimism around around the stadium although I think fans are realistic but it's a, see, with the change of ownership and the change of management this is a season to kind of rebuild I kind of look at a team like Leighton Orient as being comparable when they were over by Nigel Travis I think it was Mm. and installed Justin Edinburgh's manager Mm. that first year was they finished mid-table they they didn't disgrace themselves and that's
0: that's probably the most important thing you feel then for Walter this season as you say relegated last year but um, you know the the new owners come in and and, you know I think we're only in December, it? early December, there's still a lot of football to go, especially in, especially in December. Obviously, they, they have a lot of fixtures. Um, I think you're currently sitting sort of 22nd or something in the league, you know. Yes. Um, but you, do you have the confidence that also have got enough to, 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 to sort of stay clear of, of the relegation? I think so.
2: I think part of it is you look at the history of the fourth tier, and typically, if a team is struggling off the pitch, as Macclesfield Town are. Um, But then you have Morecambe who've lost Jim Bentley, their manager for so many years, to Fylde and kind of following on from him is tough. I I just think a well-run Walsall team with a good manager in Daryl Clark, who, he has the benefit of being, received the the backing of both Ray Graydon as a former Bristol Rovers manager and uh, Dean Smith as well as as somebody he spoke to before he took the job. I think the Walsall fans are going to be patient with him. Because they look at the promotions he's won with Salisbury and with Bristol Rovers, um, but I think I think Warsaw will be clear because they're well run off the pitch and and it's a very close division. Warsaw might be twenty second now, but with a few wins they'll be around mid table, maybe even close to the playoffs. Yeah, it's that tight, uh, is it? And it's that sort of a league, and, yeah. and and there's not much there's not much in it in terms of quality, of not really seen too many sides that I've thought oh they're, they're much much better hit than, shoulders the than, than, than yeah. than Walsall and yeah I went to see Walsall play Oxford at United in the FA Cup and Oxford were clearly that step forward with players like Tariq Foster and James Henry I just, you could see why they were doing so well in League 1 and it mm. felt like a big gulf and yeah I'll go and watch a League 2 game and Walsall might come out on the losing side but I won't there doesn't feel much in it yeah. and, and it's the same when Walsall are winning as well so I can see this being a season of consolidation and then hopefully looking to push on for promotion.
0: But do, I think Do you think the, the new owner's gonna put some money in then in January or maybe or the
2: summer, do you think, to, to, to sort of to strengthen the squad to push on or? Daryl Clark has said he'd like to bring players in, they've had a few injuries, they've got low knees there, and players on short term contracts, so I'm sure they'll look to change things right. in January. But Warsaw and never even with a new owner, it's not suddenly gonna be Warsaw splashing the cash. That that won't happen. Warsaw spending transfer fees on players. Mm. It's very, very rare and I don't see that don't see that change that changing, you know, is, is just at the drop of a hat. Yeah. But um, I think for me as a Warsaw fan, the most important thing is for the club to be stable and to be kind of progressing on and off the field and moving forward. It, I quite like the fact that I'm going down there now and I'm seeing five, five youngsters from the West Midlands who've come from our youth system in the yeah. first team and, and sort of the players we're signing we've got a centre forward who's come from Josh Gordon who is from Staffordshire and has come from Leicester's youth side having been semi-pro and having played non-league football so it feels like, it feels like a proper Warsaw team with a few experienced players who maybe have followed Daryl Clark over from Previous mm-hmm. clubs, but and they can steer uh, the youngsters in the right yeah.
0: direction. Yeah, I, I think it's it's something. I don't want to sound like a broken record on this podcast because I always talk about sort of the reasons I go to Denmark and watch the football. Um, and I mentioned earlier, but I think also from uh, being a Crystal Palace fan as well, from that point of view, we were always you know we had a, a very famous academy, walked through a lot of players. Um, you know, you got to look at sort of Victor Moses, Nathaniel mm-hmm. Klein Ben Watsons, you know, uh, Wilfried Zaha's. Um, you know, the list, the list is it goes on and on. And I think the further up the pyramid. You go so in the Premier League I mean we were very lucky that we had Aaron wan come through in the last couple of years but that was only because there was an injury crisis and we had to call on our, our, our sort of youth team but you don't often see in the Premier League um, you know many clubs giving youngsters a chance I mean I think you, you know Chelsea's obviously the exception this season where you've got uh, Frank Lampard he's had to do that because of the, the transfer ban he's got and things like that Um but apart from that unfortunately you don't see the youngsters getting you know much of a chance and before Lampard came in I think it was Chelsea had something like 30 mm. low knees out every every year or something like that, and crazy it, that. it was mm. unbelievable wasn't it
2: and yet you talk about the young players at Chelsea you've seen kind of Jody Morris of course is mm. Frank Lampard's right hand man I, I personally I think it's a, it's a unit that works I don't think Frank Lampard would be would have been as successful as he, as he is if he hadn't had Jody Morris there with him oh I agree yeah. and it's it's kind of it just seemed all the pieces seemed to fall into place with that they'd done so well at, even though they didn't win promotion they'd, they'd, they were playing such nice football at Derby mm. with lots of young players learned in and so for Chelsea to kind of take that and move your Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham who'd been at Villa with Dean Smith yeah. along it's kind of it's just everything's fallen nicely into place for them but you kind of look at one of Joni Morris's contemporaries as a Chelsea unity manager Adrian Viva has gone Joined his former Warsaw teammate Mark Robbins at Coventry. Right. They know each other very well, but I think since Vyvash became his assistant manager, that coincided with Coventry kind of winning the playoffs and um, was it the playoffs? They they won promotion. I think they won the Johnston's Paint Trophy as well, um, or the Czech Trade Trophy, I should say, as yeah. it was then. Um, um, and that is, and then you look at Coventry team; it's young, players, with a few players I know well as a Warsaw fan Jordi Huula and Amadou Bakayoko they've just taken Calum O'Hare a very good think another Jack Grealish with him he's just come Ooh, in, right. he's come over from Villa on loan I've seen him a few times for the young Villa side that, 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 that travelled to w- play Walsall and Tamworth and other teams in pre-season uh, and she's got the equaliser against Ipswich in the FA Cup at the weekend so he's one to watch but um, you, you kind of it's funny that Chelsea haven't brought young players through um, and I think it says a lot when you look at the success of their their youth teams and various coaches they've had mm. running them how kind of players have, have moved on and done well re- elsewhere so it's really nice to see what's happening at Chelsea and I'm hoping that I believe I was reading on um, online that Aston Villa are looking at bringing in a new under 23s coach at the moment right. um, so I'm, I'm confident that given time Dean, Dean Smith We'll, we'll have that success we'll have that success at Aston Villa of bringing through players um.
0: ok well that, 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 that's, that's I mean you've got a very impressive encyclopedic knowledge of all yeah. sorts of, of, of also football club and it's obviously credit to your, your, um, your passion for them but I want you to touch on um, another one of your passions because um, I'm aware that you're a keen follower of non-league football as well I mean we were talking you were at uh, Finchley last night I, was
2: at, I went to win game Finchley yeah. not, not going to these uh, EFL trophy games for the for various reasons <laughs> partly living in London partly because of the discontent over under 23 teams being in it but I, I nipped down to see one of my local teams win game finish
0: and you used to write for a non-league paper as well yes, so I, t- I, tell us a bit about that and how that came about
2: well I, I've, I've written for the non-league paper but primarily I was one of their Saturday afternoon sub-editors so um, it's it's my line of work has been for about a decade uh, um, so I I was we would get match reports in, and I would kind of set set them on, set them onto the pages, made sure they were they read well and were coherent. And uh, I'd occasionally would have to water down a bit of bias of how with many of the journalists being covering the home teams. It's so yeah, funny how the away yeah. teams used to get all these uh, controversial decisions. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but towards the end of it, I was kind of doing a lot from the National League North and the National League South and I'd help select their team of the day so it's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of interesting seeing players you've put into the team of the day go on and play in the Football League and you're yeah. kind of like we've got one of the moments at Walsall James Hardy who was at FC Fard for, for a few seasons um, but yeah so I, I really enjoyed it I've uh, for various reasons I've kind of set back mm. from it this season but i spent seven and a half years there. Mm. Um, and it's a yeah it's a fantastic newspaper it really uh, kind of brings a good spotlight to, to the non-league scene um,
0: and do you miss it? Do you, I, I, I do know, I, I, try and,
2: on, but, I try and get to non-league games as and when I can um, kind of growing up kind of my like, the non-league teams were Tamworth and Etonborough and United They were all in it shows you I'm into my 30s because they were in the Southern League when that was the second tier of non-league football beneath the conference mm. just before the National League North and South came in yeah. and, and yes, yeah, so I know my non-league football in the, in the West Midlands but since coming to London I'm quite near Harringay Borough Wingate Finchley, Enfield, Hendon some lovely places that you can go to watch football if, if you do fancy, fancy dropping down and then kind of higher up the non-league pyramid you've got Plenty in London. Wealdstone doing very well at the minute in the National League South. Uh, Dulwich Hamlet's always a favourite of many people. Yeah, to um, team, I mean, I, 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 I'm,
0: I'm near Beckenham. Beckenham Town. I go and watch Beckenham mm-hmm. or Croydon, who unfortunately got got relegated last season. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm the same. I, I quite enjoy going and watching non-league football if there's you no know, Palace on playing, or not going to a game or. As often is one of my bugbears in Palace in the Premier League is that we get moved to a a strange Monday night or like a Sunday (laughs) at four o'clock or something rather than than, as it should be on Saturday at three o'clock. So I I find myself a a spare hour and a half and it's it's quite nice to go and you know it's only sort of maybe five six six quid and you go and watch your local team and normally it's really entertaining football as well isn't it Mm. because it, it tends to be quite hectic and, and you know a lot a lot happens in a, in a very short period of time isn't it?
2: well for me part of the reason I like it as well as seeing kind of young players develop and come through and also like if you if you're lucky enough to see Bishop Stortford you get to I mention, I keep mentioning that player final between Walsall and Reading but Reading's first goal scorer Jamie Curiton back in 2001 yeah. seen yeah. as a wonderful young player then mm. he's one of the oldest players in he might be the oldest player in British football certainly at a kind of a good standard. And he's still going, Player manager at Bishop's Store. That's that's the beauty, isn't it? You get these big names that sort of still
0: keep playing. I mean, I was at Croydon last year and I saw Kevin Lisby. Play, in Italy, playing yeah. uh, for... I can't remember who it was, but um, I think he retired now. But yeah. um, it's it's amazing how these sort of players, some some of them go sort of full circle, then they start off in the non-league and then obviously end up there. And I think he was sort of well into his 40, 45, maybe 47, yeah, he was still playing. Barry
2: Hales until very recently. Really? He was yeah, in, I he's with still United. I think he's retired fairly recently. But And Julian Joachim, I mentioned a bit yeah. earlier, is... I he, can't believe he's, still, he's got to be in his 50s now, hasn't he? I, I mean, think he's playing in Gibraltar now, but he was playing non-league for so long. Not just... Kind of, I think he kind of went into the non-league with Boston but then just was he was and they were like step five or six clubs like quite small mm. clubs but he just loving playing football and uh, yeah it, it, so you'll see somebody that you, knew, that you remember from the noughties or even the nineties mm. and then you'll see somebody who in five years time you'll be seeing in the football league Yeah. kind of I've got a very close friend from the non-league paper who's who's involved at Kingstonian Football Club and um, they had a player on loan last season Alfie Doty who was in the Charlton team at the weekend and is looking like a very good Charlton team at the moment mm. with players like Oz Toomer and Johnny Williams the Wales International yeah. and Ex-Palace Alfie, obviously Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I saw a League Cup game between Palette, Walsall and Palace at the basket when Dwight Gale scored a hat-trick but Johnny Williams was yes. playing superbly yeah. well I remember
0: him. that Yeah. Dwight Gale free kick as well wasn't yeah. it I remember yeah. that Yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it was 2013, it was the first season we were in the Premier League, I think, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had a left back called uh, Flareon Morange and he's the only game he played for Crystal Palace because apparently um, the story behind him was that we needed a left back um, to, to back up for Dean Moxie and uh, nobody watched, Ian Holloway didn't watch him play, but got told he was really mm-hmm. good and then he turned up at training there and everyone was like, What's going on here? Like this, just can't play football. And he only played one game for for Palace before. I think he's, he <laughs> went, it, went back to France in in the January. Very, very, very sort of. Uh, and was the, it day. that
2: one in August at the best? I think it was. Yeah. yeah, it's the only game he actually played. Yeah, yes, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it's interesting, isn't it? How, how sort of um, yeah. the pass cross, and yeah, I mean it's amazing. I, you're sort of testing my knowledge now, and I'm I'm sort of having little little things uh, sort of.
2: Well, I've forgotten about Tommy Platt going over easy like, <laughs> until today. So we're one one, I think. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Okay, all right, well, um, Chris, thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it it's well thank been... you
2: for having me it's been wonderful to be on your podcast no it's
0: been an absolute pleasure and as I say we've really enjoyed your and knowledge on, on, on everything non-league and, and Walsall as well and, and hopefully you know um, your boys can, can consolidate this season and, and you know hopefully push for promotion next season and who knows we're have you on the podcast uh, talking about a, a famous promotion soon
2: yes maybe, maybe give it again. maybe give it 18 months <laughs> you never know <laughs>
0: hopefully fingers crossed mate. well thanks very much again for your time thank you for having me cheers The Six Pointer Podcast.